Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Decoding the Unknown, the show where we decode the unknown. I'm your host Simon Wamsey, one of my writers, in this case Katie, writes me a script, I've never read it before, The Lost Dutchman's Gold Mine. Wait, is the gold mine lost or is the Dutchman lost? I guess the Dutchman would be lost, but also I'm guessing the gold mine is lost because that's going to be more interesting than just some random lost Dutch dude. Simon, I, I just got lost bro, I don't know. Uh, it's not funny. Uh, let's move on and let's jump into today's script. I've never read it before. That's the format of the show we're going to explore together. Let's go. Anyone up for a treasure hunt? I hope you said yes, as today's story is about a lost gold mine somewhere in the mountains of Arizona. Be there gold in them are hills, or have quite a few people lost their lives for nothing, and sometimes in pretty suspicious circumstances. We're talking about the Lost Dutchman's gold mine, which was suggested in the comments by YouTube user. Oh my god, what is with your name? Batechna. I'm sorry, Batechna. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm, I'm not sorry. I'm sorry, sorry, not sorry. So thanks for that. All suggestions gratefully received. Mm, not all suggestions are gratefully received because some of the suggestions are just stupid. I understand nothing. This could be seen as a sister episode to our Oak Islands one, where Simon mentioned that it'd eat the script if the treasure was ever discovered there. I don't think any new remarkable breakthroughs have been found there, but maybe leave off a similar statement here in case one day you add a, end up adding more paper to your digestive tract. No, that Oak Island one was so stupid. They were, And at first, I remember that script, and it was kind of presented as fact. And I'm like, oh my god, this is crazy! I can't believe what they've discovered and then halfway through. I, I guess it was Katie who wrote it, was like, yeah, no, it turns out that none of that was really true, and that's just the story surrounding it. And I was like, well, if they ever find this, the treasure, describe, not like, oh, they found some like little trinket on Oak Island, then I'm eating the script. It's like, no, if they describe the treasure as described in the story, if they find that, I'll eat that script. I stand by that. I'm not making any such claims for this one because I haven't read it yet, and I don't know anything about it, and it might be real. That would be rare for Decoding the Unknown, though. Most shit is definitely not real here. The Legend of the Lost Dutchman's Gold Mine Back in 1891, Jacob Waltz, a German migrant to North America, was dying due to a bout of pneumonia. Ah, the past. He was in his 80s at this point, and on his deathbed, he beckoned over his friend and nursemaid, Julia Thomas, and gave her directions for the huge amount of gold he had stashed away somewhere in the mountains of Arizona. Okie dokie. Well, he's doing alright. 80s in 1891. That's a good long life. And pneumonia, you know, that's just a way you could pop off. In this case, the party, it'd be like, Eddie died of pneumonia at 32, and you're like, oh my god. Medicine is amazing these days. No one dies. Of I mean, people, of course, they die. But most people are not going to die of that. They'll just be like, well, get that fluid out of your lungs. We'll give you some drugs. Bada bing, bada boom. You go home tomorrow. And if you're in Arizona with a huge medical bill. Unfortunately, they were never able to locate it. But Waltz's past luck with finding gold and the story he told to Julia Thomas was enough for people to believe in the possibility of a hidden mine or stash of gold in the mountains, which were appropriately called the Superstition Mountains. Those are real, by the way. They're really called that. The Superstition Mountains. America is so big. Like, I don't know where Arizona is. I know they make iced tea there. That's what I know about it. Uh, Arizona iced tea. Is that, that's the, that's the thing, right? My, my wife loves it. I always buy it for her. There's a whole mountain range in America that I've never heard of. I guess there's also mountain ranges that I've never heard of, but it's like, it's big. 
As time went by, more and more people tried their luck at finding the Lost Mine, which became known as the Lost Dutchman's Mine, or, or sometimes just the Lost Dutchman. Boltz was actually German, so either the Dutch part just evolved from the German word for German, which is Deutsch, or the locals of the time didn't really care much about where he was from and just called him a Dutchman because they wanted to. Anyway, many, many people over the years since Waltz's death have explored the superstitions looking for the mine or even a clue as to where the entrance might be. Some have been helped or perhaps hindered by some mysterious carved stones known as the Peralta stones, generally thought to be a map to the gold. There are also clues that have been shared between treasure hunters seeming to zero in even further on the location of the hidden riches. But beware all ye who enter these mountains because foul play is afoot and maybe there's something out there that never wants the mine to be found at all. The History of the Lost Dutchman's Mine Jacob Waltz was a real person, as was Julia Thomas. In his on-again, off-again career as a gold prospector, Waltz did strike it rich a couple of times and was known for going around Phoenix, Arizona, paying with gold nuggets. Dude, what are you buying? Gold's really expensive. At the time of his death, he owned a large piece of land which he farmed, although it was destroyed by a flood in 1891, which led him to fall ill. By 1892, less than a year after Waltz's death, an Arizona newspaper was reporting on Julia Thomas's efforts to find the mine, which gives the whole deathbed confession thing a pretty good shot in the arm. As previously mentioned, Thomas obviously didn't find the mine. There's nothing here. Of this episode would not exist. While I'm not sure if this was reported in the paper or not, she apparently knew how to make a quick buck and needed to recoup the money that she put into her expedition, so she started selling maps to the mine instead, although they were clearly not very accurate. It's like if she had a map to the mine, she'd just go to the mine and get the gold and then be like, hey, the expedition paid off. You don't need to sell. But this is like with these, uh, you know, these scammy courses that people sell. You'll see them advertised on YouTube. And it's like, bro, if you were making so much money doing the, the scammy thing that you're doing, you wouldn't need to sell the course about the scammy thing, would you? Does, it just doesn't add up. So the story of the Lost Mine started very shortly after Waltz's death and has maintained a hold on adventurers, treasure seekers, and puzzle solvers for the last 130 years. What has kept the whole thing going is not only the tantalizing prospect of being the person to finally find a buttload of gold, it's the puzzle-solving aspect of the clues that have been gathered and the mystery of the Peralta Stone. So let's take a look at the elements that some treasure hunters believe hold the key to the Lost Mine. Yeah, this is one of those things where it's like, if I was on my deathbed and I just wanted to f with people, I'd be like, come over here, nurse. I want to tell you about my lost bitcoins. I had mined the bitcoins in 2001 and I put them on a flash drive and hid them in the forest. And it'd be like, there's nothing. I just do it to mess with people. The Peralta Stones. For a big chunk of the gold seekers, these stones are the key to finding the mine. They were discovered sometime in the early 1950s in the Arizona desert and consist of five stone blocks engraved on both sides and a smaller stone in a heart shape. They were called the Peralta Stones after the family that owns the area of land in Arizona in the 1800s, and also two names of family members appear on the stones. One stone shows the figure of a priest or possibly a witch. It's wearing a pointy hat and brandishing a cross. Various symbols and letters coming out of the cross in slightly misspelled Spanish, and there's an inscription saying, this path is dangerous, I go to 18 places or locations, seek the map, seek the heart. 
I'm not sure what this has to do with the gold. They seem to be, have been discovered completely independently of this guy dying like 70 years earlier. So I'm not really sure why they think they're related. This could have just been some like old school scavenger hunt that, I don't know, some school did in the mountains. And now they're like, this is where his gold is. Well, let's carry on. Maybe there's a reason. The next stone is known as the horse stone because it's got a big old engraving of a horse on it. Well, there you go. The outline of the horse is connected to a wavy line, possibly indicating that the top line of the horse is actually a continuation of the map line. There are a few other lines, letters, and numbers around the horse and a carving saying El Caboya de Santa Fe. This is probably a mistake as the Spanish word for horse is actually cabello. And in this context, it's been suggested it refers to a missionary being a servant of the holy faith, as that is what Santa Fe means when translated literally. Anyway, this ties in with the priestess figure on the other stone. On the other side of the horse is a phrase, Yo Pasto el Norte del Rio, which means I grazed in the north of the river. There is a river marked on the stone. The next Peralta stone is the heart stone, which has a recess carved into it in the shape of, guess what, a heart! In this recess are the numbers 1847 and a few other symbols. The rest of the stone has what appears to be a map, seemingly showing mountains and a few trails. On the left, there's a dagger with a little arrow in its hilt pointing at the heart and a number one next to it. On the back of this stone is a large carved cross. Going with the stone is a smaller heart-shaped stone that fits into the recess. On one side of the separate heart piece are a number of lines and stuff that seem to complete the map when it's fitted into place. On the other side of the heart piece are six rectangles, but if you put it that way around, it lines up with the number one on the main stone, making the number one million. Ooh, a million dollars! This is a huge stretch, guys! Why do you think this is pointing to some gold? The last stone is known as the Trail Stone, and it has a load more symbols and a line governs all over it. When lined up under the Heart Stone, it forms a larger map, and there's what looks like a mathematical formula or equation in the bottom corner. On the back are three letters, D-O-N, which could be part of a name such as Don Peralta, but it could also mean gift. The number 1847 on the Heart Stone does seem like a date. It's not really clear how much time passed between Jacob Bolt's finding the mine and his death, so it could be pointing to the same mine. Maybe you just stumbled across it by accident one. According to the Lost Mine Law, the Peralta family who owns the land were pretty successful at extracting gold from it, and they were massacred by a native tribe of Apaches in 1848. This has led some people thinking that the mine is actually a hidden cache of gold buried either by the Peraltas or the Apaches after they killed the Peraltas. This is opposed to a mine where gold needs to be extracted from rocks, which is a lot more work. Like, getting gold out of rocks, it's like, there's like gold ore, and like, they, I made a video about this recently, and it's like, there's only like, if you've got a ton of gold ore, there's only like one or two grams or something, and that's regarded as like, good. That's a lot of processing to get that gold out. Gold's really expensive for a reason. These stones have really captured the imagination of the Lost Dutchman's mine seekers, and you can just imagine the obsessive amount of detail some people have gone into over it. Is it a code to crack, or is it just a load of old balls? Well, let's check it out! Decoding the stones. The veracity of the Peralta stones has always been in dispute. For one thing, there's no definitive origin story. They have been said to have been discovered anywhere from 1959 to 1956 by some bloke who was wandering along a trail. I don't think they were buried or hidden away somewhere, he just seemed to have found them on the grounds. And also, I saw that he found two stones one day, then went back and found three more at a later date. We don't know who this person is either, apart from that he might have been called Jack, although a much more specific name of Travis Tumlinson has also been thrown into the 
mix. This Tomlinson also apparently found another heart-shaped stone just lying on the ground a little further away from the location of the original stones. This had carvings on both sides and came to be known as the Latin heart due to, well, you guessed it, the carvings being in Latin. And not your bog-standard Latin either. This was some form of ancient Latin, and there were also ancient Roman numerals on the other side. All of this just sounds like either intentional pranks or someone made some stones for a game. Why would people think that these are related to this gold in any way? It makes no sense. This, uh, if there is gold and the dude did hide gold, I don't think it's got anything to do with these stones. There are phrases all over one side of the heart with directions and clues, mentioning things that could be translated as water falling over gold, narrow gorges, archways, and the like. There's also a note to look for a triangle. This whole thing seems to be getting rather complicated. What's the point of hiding something and then creating such a weird map to find it again? I mean, multiple stone tablets, removable, interchangeable heart-shaped pieces, and inscriptions in a language literally no one in the area would realistically have knowledge of. And even more spits were found. Two stone crosses also popped up with random bits of information on them. Honestly, there are better ways than this of creating a secret map, or maybe there aren't, seeing as how no one appears to have cracked it. Yeah, if you've hidden something in the woods, right? You buried your gold out there, your little bitcoins, and you buried them in a little box in the woods. You can easily create a map that only you can understand about where this is hidden, that no one will be able to, to decipher. It's not that complicated. Also, it doesn't appear that the stones have ever been seriously tested to see how old they are. If they're showing the location of the lost mine, they should probably be at least 100 years old, but as far as I can tell, nobody's actually checked or been allowed to do a test. I guess that would be bad for the legend business. As of 2022, they're in the Superstition Mountain Museum if you fancy going to look at them firsthand. Some experts have said that the lines engraved into the stones look to have been made by modern power tools, and the misspelling of Spanish words indicate that maybe it was not a Spanish speaker who actually made the map. Yeah, if the Spanish speaker would be able to spell horse, all right? It's not a native Spanish speaker, and it makes me think it's just someone, again, playing a prank or making a game for something because they wouldn't make that much effort to do it properly. They'd just be like, yes, horse, caboyo, or whatever they said, rather than caboyo. Spanish for horse. Apparently, the traditional symbol of the heart was not in use by Spaniards in the 19th century, although personally I'm not sure about this point, as the now common Valentine heart shape has been in existence for a very long time. Another telling point against them being genuine is that they've been linked to the Peralta family for no real reason. There is no name or clue on the stones that link the Peraltas in any way. It seems that the supposed land grants the Peralta family had in Arizona when the Lost Dutchman's mine was first mooted didn't exist. The Peraltas were and are a real family. It's a very common surname, but as far as gold mining or prospecting went, there was no wealthy Peralta family doing it in Arizona in the mid-1800s. The names that were carved into one of the stones were Pedro and Miguel. No surname was given. These were and still are very common names, and while there were and are Pedro and Miguel Peraltas, again, they were not in the superstitions at the time of this story. The Peralta Massacre, where a group of Apaches killed a load of Peraltas and buried their gold, also probably didn't happen. The old Peralta angle is probably, therefore, a red herring. But what about the actual information on the stones? Does it lead to any real location? All of this is a red herring. <laughs> I find all the interpretations of the map to be pretty hilarious, as there are many, many forums discussing them, with everyone sure that they've cracked it and everyone else is a blithering idiot. What an idiot! 
I don't know what gives some people the idea that they have an extra special insight into some probably hoax carvings, but well, there you go. There is a symbol that pops up a few times of a circle within a circle. To some people, this means a zero. To others, it is the symbol for gold. To others, it's where the trail starts or ends. The squiggles and lines are vague enough that they could represent anywhere you want them to, and the codes that look like formulas are also very much open to any kind of interpretation. Now, very much against my usual methods of research, I watched an entire episode of America Unearthed, Guardians of Superstition Mountain. Wow. Is that, is this one of those, like, is this like a History Channel style show, or is this an actual, like, uh, documentary? The whole, <laughs> the whole episode was free to watch, and as it had an IMDb rating of 7, I gave it a whirl. It was presented by the History Channel, but it was quite interesting, if just to see some of the characters in it who, of course, all have ideas about where the gold is, but still haven't found it. And again, History Channel seems to be doing anything but history. Anyway, when the presenter is looking at the Peralta Stones with a historian called Phil Reinhardt, Phil says, It's a very, very precise map, and every clue on the map is only visible from the right location on the trail, otherwise you can't see it. The horse represents Superstition Mountain. He says that with a lot of, like, he's, he's being like, this is a fact. And it's like, bro, you're just guessing, bro. Are you a real historian? Here the host, Scott Walter, butts in, rightly asking, why would they relate a horse with those mountains? It's a great question, Scott, so what's the answer? Quote, the four legs of the horse represent the four canyons coming down out of the mountain to the south, and the tail, the last clue on the horse, takes us around to the map on the back. That is a stretch and a half, Billo. I mean, where are you getting this from, Phil? How does a horse's tail in any way indicate the map on the back? It's pretty clear if something's on the other side of a stone tablet, you don't need to construct an elaborate visual cue to get someone to turn it over. The map on the back he's referring to, by the way, is the image of the pointy-hatted person shaking some symbols out of a cross. This apparently points to the start of the trail. While the wilderness area of the superstitions is quite large, almost 250 square miles, which is just a bit bigger than the Isle of Man, but a little smaller than New York City, the general consensus is that the Lost Mine is located on its main peak. This is handily called Superstition Mountain, which narrows the search area down quite a lot. Well, it would, if he wasn't just seemingly pulling these clues out of his bottom. This is because there was gold mining activity around this specific mountain in the past, so it seems like a likely area for the Lost Mine to be. Well, that does make sense. They were gold mining there in the past. Makes sense that there could be gold mines there. Because there were. There was gold. Let's put the stones aside for now and focus on other clues that have popped up over the years about where the mine could possibly be. I don't think those stones are clues. Those stones are just something that people are like, those points of the mine for apparently no reason whatsoever. The other clues. Here are some more clues floating around about the location of the Lost Mine. Albert Vitaire Lannan poured through writings by explorers and researchers of the legend and collated the following observations about the location. Treasure hunter Adolf Ruth, more on him later, stated, It lies within an imaginary circle whose diameter is not more than five miles and whose center is marked by Weaver's Needle. Weaver's Needle is a distinctive column of rock and is a well-known landmark in the superstitions. Waltz himself was quoted as saying, There is a great stone face that looks up at mine. Someone called Barry Storm used an apparent quote from Waltz in his in a book he wrote about trying to find the mine, saying that Waltz could not be seen from the military trail in the canyon below, but that he could easily watch the trail from his mine. An early treasure hunter, Joe Deering, reportedly said, There's a kind of trick in the trail. Not much of a trick, but you have to go through a hole 
to get to my mine. I've also found a few that are not attributed to anyone, such as, if you pass through three red hills, you've gone too far, but these all seem to be later add-ons. I've also seen these clues listed like Walt set them all out as some kind of riddle, but in reality, they were pulled from many different sources. The thing is, if there is so much detail and all these people are so clever, why has nothing ever been found or even some sort of consensus reach as to the exact location? There is no recognized military trail on the mountain, so people have made up all sorts of convoluted historical reasons why this trail or that trail might be considered military. Also, the Great Stone Face has variously been translated as a large sheet or rock, a rock that actually looks like a face. If you go down that route, it just becomes seeing clues where there really are none. Yeah, because we've discussed it on this show before, like humans are excellent at seeing patterns where there are no. I mean, there's a pattern, but it doesn't mean anything. I read one Treasure Seeker's account of his many, many trips to the superstitions. He only wrote as Mr. X, by the way, and at one point his wife had taken a photo of a possible mine location and had it enlarged and framed. One day he suddenly noticed a face in the corner of the picture. A great rock face, if you will. He provided an enlarged photo of the area, with a couple of arrows pointing at what he was talking about, but maybe he should have put a circle around it because I couldn't really see what he was pointing at. There was a large rock that kind of looked like a face, but the area photograph looked like it's in a canyon and the face is sort of on its own at the top of a peak, so if it's looking up at the mine, it still could be anywhere. Just he's finding faces where there are no faces, like the face on Mars. It's like humans, that's what we do. We look for faces, like we're really good at seeing faces. Basically, these clues are pretty useless, as people have been interpreting them however they want and bending the results to fit in wherever they decide to look. Some people are combining them with the symbols on the Peralta Stone, so you're adding an extra layer of probable hoax onto a list of generic clues, so is it any wonder that nothing has ever been found? I get the obsession people have with finding lost treasure. I mean, how cool would it be to be the one that does it? Unfortunately, though, this particular treasure hunt has cost quite a few people their lives, and some of the circumstances have been pretty suspicious. If you ask me, have people been murdered because of this? That's pretty wild. Like, it's not even real. The Lost Seekers According to Marshall Trimble, an Arizona historian, around 100 people may have died in the search of the treasure over the years. The most recent one I saw was of a group of three men who went missing in July 2010. Their remains were recovered the following year. Most of these deaths could be put down to accidents or the hot weather in unforgiving terrain, but some of them are a bit stranger. One of the most linked people to this story is Adolf Ruth. His death was quite newsworthy at the time, so we can really thank him for perpetuating the legend of the Lost Dutchman mine to this day. Thanks, Adolf, or maybe I should have said Mr. Ruth in case the algorithms pick this up and peg him as an extremist sympathizer. You're not even kidding. Adolf is one of those names where it's like, no, the, no one's called Adolf anymore. You know that this guy, where was it, linked to it? He's got to be born before the Second World War. Because, of course, he has. Like, my neighbor, he's living in an apartment, and the neighbor was called Adolf. And I'd be like, and he was an old man, and then he died. And there was a little notice in the, like, communal board saying, like, Adolf, whatever his name was, died at, like, 97. And I'm like, yeah, he did. He was born before Adolf Hitler. Always. Anyone called Adolf always is. Except for my son. Not nah, just joking. <laughs> of course I'm joking. 
Anyway, in 1931, 66-year-old Ruth set off into the Arizona mountains and never returned. Interestingly, he did have a map with him, which his son had passed on. His son had apparently been gifted some old maps from a descendant of the Peralta family as a thanks for some legal services Ruth Jr. had provided. Ruth Sr. was interested in this kind of thing at an amateur level, so decided to make the expedition to try his luck and find the mine. Just a note here that this 66-year-old was venturing into rugged mountain terrain by himself in June when the temperature would have been around 100 degrees Fahrenheit or nearly 38 Celsius every day. That, look, you're an old man. You're not an old. It's 66. You're, you're, you're getting up there in age. You're not like, like my dad's a little bit younger than 66 and he could go, definitely go hiking in the mountains. But it's mega hot. It's rugged terrain. And you're, uh, you're, not, you're not in your fighting youth. He's not been murdered. He's just an old man who's just dying out in the mountains because it's too hot. He also had injuries from a previous mind-seeking oopsie and needed a cane to walk. Who thought this would be a good idea? Anyway, Ruth failed to return, and in December, a skull was discovered which was identified as Ruth's. It had a bullet hole in it. Holy Okay, I was wrong. He was killed? Could he have killed himself? Maybe. But in January 1932, more belongings of Ruth were found, including a fully loaded gun and a checkbook where he'd written down some clues like the Weaver's Needle one mentioned earlier, and also the phrase Veni Vidi Visi, which is Julius Caesar's famous line, I know this one, I came, I saw, I conquered. The map that his son had given him was never recovered, and it's not clear how his head became detached from his body. Oh sh**, yeah, skull. <laughs> that means there's no body. Does this mean Ruth actually found the gold and was then murdered for it? And if not, how did, oh, maybe some beasts came along, some animals came along and he, like, ate his body or detached the skull somehow, you know, in a feeding frenzy. Pretty intense there was a bullet in there. Wow, I'm like, maybe he was murdered. While this is a juicy tale, after sensationalized headlines came out, the original coroner backtracked somewhat and said that he now wasn't 100% sure that the holes in the skull were bullet holes. Oh, so there wasn't a bullet in there, it was just a bullet hole. But the story was already out there and his original report remains unaltered. The map is also sort of odd, as it's been established that the Peraltas may have been erroneously attached to the story, so God knows what the map actually was. In 1945, someone using the pen name Barry Storm published a book about his expedition to find the lost mine called Thunder God's Gold. Oh, I just, sorry, just to also add about the holding the skull. If his skull was detached from his body and there's holes in it, I'm like, this could be from animals, for sure. Like a bear, like biting on there or something like that. I just don't think it's he was murdered for it. That just seems less likely than an old man being eaten by a bear in the forest. Right? So, uh, anyway, Barry Storm and his book, Thunder's God's, Thunder God's Gold, which is very difficult to say, Barry. Like Barry Storm, which is a pretty badass name, if I'm honest. In it, he wrote about having just missed being killed by a sniper hiding out in the rocks, presumably guarding the mine. It sounds like you've written a fiction book, Maze. He also thought that Ruth had been an earlier victim of this same sniper. Storm's book eventually became a movie called Lust for Gold, which was heavily fictionalized and Storm hated it, especially the way his character was portrayed. It's currently 6.8 on IMDb, though, which is above my arbitrary watching threshold, so maybe I'll give it a whirl one day. Barry also thought the film was made to communist specifications, whatever they were. He sued Columbia Pictures and published a pamphlet soon afterwards called I Was Swindled by Red Movie Makers. Basically, he seems like a bit of an attention seeker, so I'm not sure how much stock we could put in his account of being shot at. Yeah, no, he just seems like an attention seeker, doesn't he? In 1947, James Cravey failed to return from his expedition to find the lost mine. His remains were discovered a lot long afterwards, but his head 
wasn't found for another six months. In 1951, the body of Dr. John Burns was found with a bullet hole in it. Officially, the death was ruled as accidental or suicide, although apparently there were no powder burns on the body, and evidence from a ballistics expert did not agree with this ruling. A year later, in 1952, Joseph Kelly disappeared in the superstitions. When his body was found two years later, there was a bullet hole in his skull. While it seemed as though the shots of the head came from above, his death was ruled as accidental. In I-55, Charles Massey was found dead, shot between the eyes with a heavy-caliber rifle bullet. This was ruled as accidental and put down as a ricochet. That's some bad luck for Charles, plus the fact that his gun was apparently a 22, which is considered a small-caliber bullet. This is all mad suspicious. What's going on? <laughs> and why does the person keep ruling these as an accident? It definitely sounds like there's someone in the mountains murdering people. The following year, in 1956, the body of New York treasure seeker Martin Zwiotho was found with a bullet hole in his right temple. Again, officially, no foul play was suggested, and his death was noted as suicide, despite the fact that his gun was found underneath his body. In 1960, the decapitated body of Austrian student Franz Hara was found. In 1961, Jay Clapp was reported missing, and a search was carried out in the Superstition Mountains. Apparently, Clapp had worked as a prospector in the area for over 15 years, so it's not exactly clear when he died. His body was found three years later, minus the head. As of today, it still hasn't been found. Helmer Boehm was also discovered in 1961 by a family out on a picnic. He'd been shot in the back. Again in 1961, it's like the only thing that would make this more absurd is that it was ruled a suicide. There's this little laziest coroner in the world whoever's like doing, dealing with these bodies. It's like, oh no, he's shot multiple times and flayed. Yeah, looks self-inflicted. <laughs> he shot himself twice in the head. <laughs> Again in 1961, Walter Maori's body was found with multiple bullet wounds. Perhaps unsurprisingly by now, this was ruled a suicide. Multiple bullet wounds? <laughs> Is that the, what? There are even more examples throughout the years, but I think we're getting the gist of it. Some of these may be put down to rivalries, or yes, accident or suicide, but some are definitely weird. Let's get weird! Let's get weird! Is this some sort of guardian of the mine up there keeping the lost hoard safe, or an assassin picking people off who find something and then taking the treasure for themselves? I think it's more likely it's just, just murders going on in the mountains. It's over a really long time, people are murdered in the mountains. I'm surprised how many are ruled accidental or suicide, because it seems like there's a murderer or murderers about, and a lot of people are getting away with murder, apparently. I will say when I looked into these deaths, most of the results I found were just the same few lines of text repeated on a different website, but there are enough examples that it definitely makes for mysterious reading. Let's get on to the actual mine itself, then, the source of all this mystery and death. There are a couple of theories here, perhaps the most disappointing being it doesn't exist. Oh, come on, it has to. Well, no. It really doesn't. While there are undoubtedly lots of mines around, this particular one is a kind of amalgamation of a few different stories that all end up in the same place. Ooh, so mysterious! <laughs> There's nothing solid anyone can produce to prove any of the legend's backstory. The Peralta Stone seemed to be a 20th century prank, and as previously mentioned, the Peraltas are not linked to the superstition area at all. While Jacob Waltz was a real person, he never mentioned a hidden mine prior to the supposed deathbed confession. We're still not clear on what sort of thing the Lost Dutchman mine is. Is it a heap of gold he came across one day, possibly that the Apaches had stolen from a party of Peraltas, but obviously not, or an area with a particularly rich vein that he had found in the rock somewhere? How much gold? Are we actually talking about we don't even know if superstition mountain is the location but that's where everyone always starts from 
Did Adolf Ruth actually find the lost mine, or did he just get lucky and find another stash of gold or a different abandoned mine? Is there even gold in the Superstition Mountains? I saw in several places that as it's a volcanic range, there's not likely to be gold there. This is false, however, as gold has been successfully mined out of the area since the 19th century, even leading to the creation of a nearby town called Goldfield in 1892. Scott Walter, the presenter of America Unearthed, is also a geologist and went scouting about for himself on the eastern side of the range. He quickly found traces of other minerals such as quartz that point to the possibility of more gold still being there. The location that he and a few other local enthusiasts decided was the best place to look though is currently private lands. And finally, there is another possibility however that Scott Walter posited and that is it's already been found. There was lots of gold prospecting in the area when Jacob Waltz was possibly discovering this mine. Maybe he wasn't the only person who discovered it. As I said earlier, we don't know how long a period there was between him finding it and his death. When was the last time he went to it? Could other people have found it and mined it in the meantime? Well, quite possibly, yes. There was a big gold strike in 1892, which led to the creation of the town of Goldfield. Waltz had died the year before in 1891. Had his secret mine been discovered almost straight away? To me, that seems like the most likely explanation, but it's not going to put off any treasure nuts from giving it their best shot. If you want to try your luck one day, don't go out in the middle of summer, don't go alone, and you know, maybe take a bulletproof vest, just in case. Yeah, and if you do get murdered, you're definitely going to have committed suicide. <laughs> According to that lazy coroner. He's probably now dead, because that was back in the 1960s. Anyway, this has been an episode of Decoding the Unknown. I don't think the gold's real. I just think it was some dude on his deathbed being like, ah, guess what? <laughs> you guys are going to be running around for the better part of a century. No, for over a century. Damn. Okay, thank you for watching, listening, however you consume this show. If you're uh, listening as a podcast, please leave a review. It does help us out. Like, subscribe, and I'll see you next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.